0: You're listening to the Recovery Roadrunners Podcast, the sobriety podcast for runners who want to get inspired, get informed, and start seeing results fast. Every Monday, we'll share current events, personal stories, and research on how to get sober, stay sober, and run smarter so that you can up-level your life now. Hey, I'm your host, Amber Graziano, founder and president of Recovery Roadrunners, certified running and sobriety coach, K-12 master teacher, and sober mother of two, I've got my sober running pal Doug with me today, and between the two of us, we've got over 10 years of sobriety and tons of racing experience, so our mission is to inspire you to ditch the booze and lace up those running shoes, so let's get moving, guys. Hey, how are you doing today, Doug?
1: I am fantastic today. I'm excited about this topic today.
0: Yeah, me too, me too. Before we get into the topic, let's start with our current event, and so you sent me a really fun article this week. It's called how I became the annoying running guy. My hobby has <laughs> turned me into what I fear most by Luke Winky, December, 2023. So Doug, is this you? Have you become that annoying runner guy?
1: Oh my goodness. It is my entire life. Now I am the annoying running guy. And it's one of these things. Uh, I embrace it in life nowadays. Because in my previous life, I was the annoying drunk guy, and I would rather be the annoying running guy any day.
0: (laughs) For sure. For sure. You know, I think people would say about me that I'm also that annoying runner guy. I love to tell people what I'm training for, what I've been doing this week as far as running, where I've been running, 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 running. I like to see how many times I can actually say the word run or running in a conversation when I'm talking to anybody. So, yeah, tell me what are some of your thoughts on this article, Doug? Well,
1: really early on in the article, he mentions the phrase that running is better than most drugs. And, you know, being a recovered alcoholic, I saw that. And I think you and I can relate to that line more so than maybe this author can. I'm not sure. Maybe he's a recovered alcoholic or or an addict. I, I don't really know. But certainly for me, running has replaced the feeling of drugs and alcohol, and it is a much better high, let me tell you that. You know, I have a sort of a different spin on this. It's almost like he has this take where it's a negative thing to be the uh, annoying running guy, and I know some of this may be tongue-in-cheek, the way the article was done. But uh, to me, that's a that's a source of pride being this annoying running guy. And much like I did in my drinking days, uh, I would surround myself with uh, people who drank like me. Uh, I find I'm doing that in my life now where I've turned my circle into a small circle and uh, I'm surrounding myself with people who, who run like me. And that way I don't have to worry about being annoying because everybody else is the annoying running person, too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you're so right. I mean, in my opinion, the best high is the runner's high. But in your case, Doug, I can see how your friends and family are watching you, seeing what you're doing. I mean, you told me you lost over a hundred pounds and you've made this total life transformation. So for people watching you, they've seen, you know, the past you who was just in the gutter and now the runner you who's now training to qualify for the Boston Marathon and beyond. It's amazing.
1: Well, thank you very much. Yeah. For for people who don't know, if you're just tuning in, I've been sober almost eight years now. And at the end of my drinking career, I was 350 pounds. And uh, today I'm a comfortable 175 and doing things that I never thought were possible. And I, I attribute it to uh, running in so many ways. It, the the uh, author talks about, you know, standing with the anticipation of the starting line in this article. And I just saw that and I, I thought, yeah, that moment, that's like a spiritual experience for me. And I don't know if people, if, if everyone experiences it on this level, but this is why I want to talk about it so much, because it goes so much deeper than just being a thing that I do.
0: Oh yeah. Just thinking about racing. It gives me the chills. I get so excited. I'm just thinking about my next race coming up on Saturday and it's, it's exciting stuff, man. It it brings out like the best emotions and the most exciting feelings that you can ever have.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah, you have a 50 miler coming up this weekend. That's going to be incredible.
0: I know, right? I get to race all day. My goal is to best my best time. So I want to set a new personal record for the 50 mile, which should be pretty easy for me to do because... It's just a totally different course. It's a lot less elevation gain. And this is this will be my third time doing it.
1: That's spectacular. Yeah, I've never done uh, that distance yet. I'm going to dip my toe into uh, a 36 miler this year. That's going to be the furthest official that I do. And uh, we're doing it right now. We're supposed to be talking about this article and we're drifting off into our running adventures, which is uh, exactly <laughs> what this article talked about. Yeah. In, in the article, he did talk about, uh, you know, the concept of potentially alienating your friends. Uh, and again, I approached this from the subject of, well, were they really your friends uh, to begin with if they didn't want to hear about this?
0: So oh, drop know. those
1: just drop those friends and find some people who run.
0: Oh, for sure. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the topic for tonight, everybody. The topic is creating a supportive routine, exploring how establishing a consistent and supportive daily routine contributes to maintaining sobriety, running your next best race, and optimizing your most precious resource, your time. I thought it would be relevant to list the benefits of creating a routine for people who are new in recovery And also people who are trying to start or improve upon their running or their overall fitness. So I have a list of eight things I'm going to run through really quickly for you guys. The benefits of creating a routine. Number one, structure and stability. Creating a predictable and manageable daily life. Number two, reducing stress. Knowing what to expect and having a set schedule can promote a more relaxed and focused mindset. Number three, social connection. Many people who are able to sustain their sobriety long-term go to meetings regularly. Regular attendance at meetings provides opportunities for social connections with others who are on the same path as you, fostering a sense of belonging and friendship. Number four, time management. Allocate specific time for work, running, sobriety meetings, and fun or relaxing times can help you to feel less overwhelmed. Number five, avoid triggers. Avoid situations or environments that might trigger cravings. Number six, healthy habits and establishing boundaries. Decide what's most important to you and what the non negotiables are in your life. Number seven, improve productivity and enhance accountability. Track your progress and identify areas that need improvement. And number eight, emotional well being, giving you a sense of purpose, accomplishment, and self discipline. Doug. Any thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, that is such a great list of benefits, and it just makes me think about what it was like when I was drinking and how my life was the exact opposite of these eight uh, items that you've listed right here. And, you know, I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later in this episode.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I like to start out by telling you why we're talking about this, because It just brings me back to my days as a classroom teacher. If you don't tell people the why, they're going to be like, well, I don't care about that. Let's talk about something else. So knowing the why behind the what is super important to me. When I got sober at the age of 37, that was the first time in my life that it occurred to me that I needed to start taking better care of myself. I decided that I needed to start doing things well instead of half-assing them because I never thought about taking care of myself. And I also realized there was a lot of time-wasting activities in my life that I wanted to eliminate. So at first, I did the little things that most people probably already do, but a drunk like me never did, like remembering to brush my teeth twice a day, remembering to always wear clean clothes. Then I started making sure I was drinking enough water and getting enough sleep at night. I ended up getting serious about creating a routine that would support my sobriety and elevate my life in certain areas that needed improving. The first thing I did to establish my routine was I started a daily planner. I like to have a hard copy planner and I pencil things in. So every year I buy one on Amazon and I use it to keep myself accountable for the most important things in my day by checking them off of the list when I'm done. I always start with my non-negotiables, which to me is work, kids, running, and sobriety meetings. It's a really good idea to write out your schedule from the minute you wake up until the minute you go to bed. Write everything down in 15-minute increments, and you'll see where you have time available. You'll see how much time you're spending on certain tasks. And most importantly, you'll be able to identify things in your schedule that you can eliminate. So if you watch TV, write it down. If you scroll Facebook and Instagram or read a lot of articles online, write it down. How much time in your day is being wasted? Use the planner to eliminate waste and establish your priorities. So I use this with our group Quit Like a Runner. That's our private sobriety and running group. It's by Atomic Habits, James Clear. It's a printable daily schedule. And it starts at 5 a.m. and it goes until 1130 at night and it's Sunday through Saturday. So what I did years ago was I filled in everything that I did on my daily schedule and I started with the non-negotiables and then I filled in, you know, the fun stuff, you know, the things that I didn't need to do, but I was doing and I, I saw like, wow, I can't believe how much time in my day is wasted scrolling Facebook, watching TV, etc. That's the first thing that I did was I got a planner and I actually started to fill it out. And I know, Doug, because we've been talking about this topic a lot over the past couple of days, you're the type of person who you have a lot of routines, procedures, and you have your morning routine, you have your whole day, your whole week planned out. I'm not that person. Sometimes I am, but to be honest with you, right now I'm in the middle of moving. So I'm doing a lot of driving. I'm in two different locations. So my life has been pretty crazy. And so for me, I can't do the same things at the same time every day, but I do have five cornerstone habits and routines in my life that I'm going to talk about. In a little bit that I wanted to share with the listeners, I'd like to ask you, Doug, about your habits and routines that you've put into place.
1: Oh, absolutely! And let let me first say that everyone is going to find that they have different flavors of how this works out in their life. You know, what works for me doesn't necessarily work for you. And you know, there's something to be said too about finding strategies to deal with uh, disruptions uh, when they occur. Like you said, you're you're moving. I remember the few times that I've moved in life, it throws everything off. You don't know where stuff is. You know, you, you have half things in one place, half things in another place, and it it gets crazy. Things can happen when you, you get sick or if something happens with a family member or, you know, certainly if you're someone who has children, um, they oftentimes dictate your schedule before you even get a chance to set yourself time for yourself. So rule number one, uh, as is in most things, is don't be too hard on yourself. Uh, try to make small incremental improvements as you go, and that's how I built my whole routine. At the the end of my drinking career, I was a very broken person, and uh, coming into that, uh, as I as I mentioned, I had the exact opposite of the eight points you made earlier. Uh, I had zero structure and stability in my life. Uh, I wound up in the hospital with a failing liver, uh, near near death. My whole life was just a big giant ball of anxiety and stress. Uh, I had uh, drinking to the point where no one wanted to be around me. I had lost all social connection. My time management was non-existent because my time was used just drinking and passing out. Everything was a trigger. The whole world was against me. I had no healthy eating habits. You know, like I said, the exact opposite of all of those things. And then when I got sober... At uh, 38 years old, and uh, I had to really be humbled. I had to move back in with my parents at that point in my life. Try to figure out, well, what do I, what do I do now? You know, what, what is life? And luckily for me, I found a new life. For me, it was working the steps of AA that gave me this, this new sense of of purpose and and a reason to live. And then I found running. I fell into running, and that uh, as well started to give me this mental clarity where I started to to, to see. I can do so much more as a human being than I than I had been doing. And how do I accomplish that? How do I do these things? I read the book, Ten uh, Percent Better by Dan. Uh, the The last name isn't coming to me off the top of my head here. Yeah. It's I Dan read that. Harris. Yeah, I read Dan Harris. Yeah. I read that in early sobriety, and that made so much sense to me. I didn't have to make these big monumental changes uh, immediately. I could just try to be a little bit better every day and do something a little bit better every day. And that's how I started to develop my routines. And for me, it started with, with um, walking a lot. Uh, I had a ton of weight that I needed to lose. Uh, and it started with uh, a little bit of trying to watch my diet. And that was the routine for a bit. If I can do these two things today, I've been successful with my day. If I can walk in the morning, if I can not eat like a pig, you know go go to work and do a halfway decent job and then i built on that you know a little bit at a time uh i would i would make a change and i would make a tweak and as i started to get into to running more that was something that really helped me structure uh, my day in many ways because all of a sudden i found myself obsessed and training for a 5k and then training for a 10-miler and then training for a marathon and i was jumping all around the internet um looking for these training plans when i would find them i would go wow particularly with a marathon training plan. This is going to take a lot of time. Where does this time fit into my day? And that's really for, for one of the first times when I really started to look at what am I doing with my time? I had like zero concept of how I even spent a lot of my time. Like you said, tons of it was endlessly scrolling on Facebook and Instagram Uh, which uh, I still do to an extent, but I try to put out positive content out there now rather than just sitting there and consuming and doom scrolling and and whatever it is that they call it. And so I I started to build on and make time for these running plans. And that then becomes a, well, if I want to make time to run, I've got to get up and I've got to do that earlier before work. So that means I have to wake up earlier. And then that makes me look at, well, what time am I getting to bed? And these routines just sort of started to develop themselves in many ways. And over years, I got in, in better habits. Food was always a difficult one for me. And I yo-yoed over my in my sobriety, this, this 60 to 70 pounds where I would crash diet, lose weight, put weight back on. Eventually, I reached out for help and I worked with um, Kelly Miller, the addiction nutritionist. And she's really the one. I started working with her a little over two years ago, who helped me nail in this routine that I have now. Uh, She took a lot of stuff from Atomic Habits by James Cleary. She helped me just get into these great modes. Uh, She had me develop health statements. What is it that I want to get out of of my life? And what are the things I need to do to get there? And here's the trick. They need to be very specific, uh, have an alternative. So I'll I'll give you an example of one of my health statements. And this right now is what I'm doing with our training program that uh, you and Vinny have put together for me. I will run five times a week for six weeks because this is where we're at now, starting October 30th. If I have to slow down, I will. If I miss a day, I will do it on an off day or let it go and adjust per the quotes I found. And uh, there are some quotes I found that tell me, you know, you don't have to go incredibly hard every day. If you're tired, you can rest because I need to hear these things or else I go like a freight train uh, and then I crash out. Another one is, I will eat only the meals that have been prepared up to Sunday at home or the office. If I forget my lunch, I will go home and get it. If someone suggests going out to eat, I will look at the menu ahead of time and choose something healthy. It's just very specific. And through repetition, I try to ingrain this in myself. So I have this list. I read this list every morning. I have uh, a prayer that I read every morning called the Physical Ideal Prayer. Do you want me to read that real quick? It's a really interesting prayer, I, in in my opinion. Oh, yeah. I, you know, and and uh, no judgments on anyone out there if, if you don't pray or if you don't believe in it or anything. you know, To me, I've gotten myself in a space where I can pray and I can meditate. And I wouldn't say I'm religious in any way, but I'm definitely spiritual and I believe in something, a higher power. And I can call it God now and I'm okay with that, which, you know, some of my backstory, it's amazing that I've gotten to that point. So the physical idea of prayer goes, uh, Dear God, thank you for this body. I often like to think it's mine, but I've come to understand it is temporary. I have expected too much and given too little. I would like to develop a healthier relationship with my physical condition to be a good steward of this body I inhabit. Help me and provide what I need to be more disciplined in my eating and my exercise. Help me let go of my prejudices about physical shapes of my body or others, that while there are certain conditions out of my control, like genetics, I am still accountable for what I do or don't do. Help me to be accountable to you, to myself, and to others whom I ask for help from, and to take direction willingly. Give me the courage and skill to create a realistic, healthy, caring relationship for my physical condition that includes exercise and diet. Provide me the willingness and enthusiasm you have given me for spiritual pursuits into my physical ideal. Just for today, God, please allow me the ability to fuel my body. Please allow me the control to stop a potential food binge. Please help me to understand that food is not emotional comfort. Please help me to understand that the enjoyment of excess is short-term and often followed by guilt, shame, and remorse. And I've been reading that every day for two or three years now. It's an intention. It's about setting that intention. And I read that first thing in the morning. And I have a very detailed list now that I go through. Sometimes I wake up very early and I'm not exactly clear-headed that early in the morning. So my list is like ridiculously detailed. Uh, I'll have a wake-up time that I set the night before. And then my list includes meditation, make coffee, pop the pot in the coffee machine so it's not sitting in there, make my uh, element water, take my uh, supplements, uh, drink my beet juice and set up the beet juice for the next day put the dishes in the dishwasher, feed the cats. Poop is one of them on the list. I don't forget to do that in the morning. And, um, you know, I just, I have this list that I go through every day. The night before, I try to look at it and copy that list and add anything that may differ or that I need to add to it. And I have found that this works really well for me.
0: That's awesome. You're very strategic about your routine. You're very methodical about it. And I can see... How that would help you in, you know, manifesting your dreams that you've been working so hard for for years. You speak about, uh, you didn't use this term, but the law of attraction and meditation, and that's actually what I was going to talk about next. One of the five cornerstone habits and routines in my life that has helped me the most, and the one that I started with first when I got sober um, after I started running again. I started meditating and I had never in my life meditated before. I, I realized that I was at a point in my life where I had no direction. I was totally lost, confused, depressed. So I, it was rock bottom moment for me. So I said, you know what? People talk about meditation all the time. I'm going to give it a go and see what it's all about. I turned off the light. I lit some candles, some incense. I sat on the floor. And I went for it. I just closed my eyes and I just started listening to my thoughts and I got quiet. For the first time, I started to notice what my thoughts were. I started to actually feel the feelings that were inside my body. Meditation gave me the insight to my thoughts and feelings, which was important to me for staying sober in the very beginning. When so much of being able to stay sober is a moment to moment, conscious one second split decision. Meditation gave me clarity. I was able to identify the areas of my life that were working well and those that needed to be changed or eliminated. Also, meditation gave me a sense of peace. It helped me to quiet the constant chatter that was in my head. It gave me five minutes away from the kids and the busyness of a hectic daily life. And in meditation, I found my purpose. I started asking questions of myself like who who am I really?" Who am I? And I thought about that for a good long while. And at first, I didn't know. I had no idea. So I asked myself for days and weeks, who am I? Who do I want to be? What's really important to me? Um, What are the values that I really cherish most? What do I like doing? What do I not like doing? What are the best parts of my life? What are the parts of my life that I need to let go of? And I began to understand who I was for the first time. In meditation, I started to pray. I have always been a churchgoer, but I really love to pray when I'm in meditation to give thanks for the many blessings in my life and also to ask for guidance and to say what my worries are, what is on my mind, what's on my heart, and just to ask for help to come in. I also believe in God and I believe in you know other dimensions, being able to come through and offer support in the form of divine guidance. Every day, sometimes twice a day, I meditated and I started to visualize my future as I wanted it to be in one month, in six months, in 12 months, 12 years down the road. At the same exact time, I created my very first vision board. And we've been talking about vision board now for a couple of weeks to replace New Year's resolutions. I made my first vision board because something inside of me told me to make one it just made sense to me. I just filled it up with what images and quotes of my ideal life, my best life. I knew I could have it as long as I stayed sober, as long as I kept running, and as long as I kept meditating. Because through meditation, the answers really do come. If you've never tried it, I really strongly encourage you to give it a shot. It You'll get answers to questions They're inside of you. You just have to pull them out.
1: Yeah, I second that notion entirely. You know, I am a huge fan of meditation. It's something that uh, I was introduced to early in sobriety. Uh, A friend of mine named Pete did these sound meditations, and it was life-changing for me because at that point, I couldn't sit with my own thoughts. And for those that don't know, sound meditations uh, are ones that include uh, these crystal harmonic bowls and gongs, and they can include flutes and all of these other instruments. And um I still to this day do that with uh, my meditation guru, uh, Linda Laranger. She's absolutely wonderful. But also, I've gotten myself into a space where I can do um, you know, the sitting quiet meditation. You know, I heard you talking about prayer and meditation. I think those two are so intertwined. You know, I've heard it said that, Prayer is uh, asking questions of the universe, and meditation is when you're sitting listening for answers. And there's a lot more that you know intuitively inside yourself than people give themselves credits for. I I truly, truly believe that. You started off earlier in the podcast where you talked about um, you like to give people an explanation of the why we're talking about a certain subject. And in many ways, uh, what you just described through your meditations is you figuring out the why of your life. What are what are the things you want to do? Who are you? What are the things you like? And then once you know that why, that can help you set these routines and habits. You can set goals and then you say, well, what do I need to do to achieve those goals? So again, you know, what works for me isn't going to work for someone else if we have different goals uh, and everyone can have different ways to get to their different ends. So uh, I thought that was spectacular um, that you brought that up.
0: Thanks, Doug. Yeah, I really do believe that as far as getting my life back on track, it started with running and staying sober, but I I needed the answers and they came in through meditation and prayer. Start there, pray to anybody you want, pray to the gods or the fairies or the angels or just mother nature. It doesn't matter who you pray to. Pray to somebody, somebody out there is listening, and they will respond with support and guidance for you if you just ask. So have faith, ask for help, and help will come in, I promise. If you're trying to start a new meditation habit, you can start really small. Just commit to two minutes a day or five minutes a day. You can, the best time to do it is either first thing in the morning or late at night, in my opinion, because everybody's asleep. It's nice and quiet. You're nice and calm and establishing a routine of doing it every single day is going to make it easier for you to listen to your intuition and building that habit. It's going to make it easier for you to sit still and focus longer. And I Like I said, I'm on the go a lot, so I don't do it at the same time every day, but I do try to do it every day. And I started small and now sometimes I can meditate for more than 30 minutes at a time. I like to listen to guided meditations sometimes and other times I will just listen to my own thoughts. But that is the number one most helpful thing. That has helped me to get my life back on track. I got to tell you.
1: And just while we're on the topic of meditation as well, uh, I I think there are a lot of misconceptions uh, about what meditation is where, you know, we've just listed three different kinds uh, already, but a lot of people think it's just, I have to sit still and I have to get my mind to a place where it's completely quiet and everything is blank. And for me, that's not the reality of meditation. When I first got sober, I couldn't quiet a damn thing up in my head. Uh, there was so much chaos that was still going on up there. But it was important to be able to get comfortable being uncomfortable with all of those thoughts in my head and to start to build some mental mental toughness and get those thoughts under control. In meditation, you can let those thoughts run rampant. The goal is uh, to just realize that they are just thoughts and you are not your thoughts. You do not have to be your thoughts. You can be outside of those thoughts and you can observe those thoughts. And I had worked, uh, I'll tell this story real quick. Uh, I had been helping someone get sober and they would get on that topic. They'd be like, oh, I really want to start meditating, but I, I, I can't get into it. I don't have time for it. I don't want to just sit there and I can't make my brain shut up. And we sort of broke down his day and what his routine was. And he was a very early riser and he would get up and he would get up before his wife and he would get a cup of coffee. And he would sit down in the same chair every single morning and he would drink that cup of coffee and he would sort of go through his to do list of, oh, what do I have to get done today? And I said, you're meditating. This is exactly what it is. It's just trying to find a focus to your day and get away from any of that anxiety and chaos that surrounds, you know, not having a plan for the day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Meditation is whatever you say it is, whatever it means to you. And to your point, Meditation helps with building mental toughness. I mean, that is the point, right? Is Mm -hmm. to increase focus and increase awareness and the ability to be in the present moment. And these are all skills that are super important if you want to stay sober long term and if you want to kick ass at your next race. If you learn how to meditate, you'll take those lessons of meditation into sobriety and you'll be noticing wow. I hear my thoughts now, and I'm able to make a conscious choice. instead of just living on autopilot and just reacting, you can stop and take a breath, you can analyze your thoughts, you can notice them. And that's really where it all begins with sobriety is is stopping long enough to pause before you have a drink. Um, mm-hmm. And as far as running, the mental toughness part comes in through meditation because you realize that, like you said, this moment is fleeting. I am not my thoughts. And you can talk yourself through it. And you can use mindfulness to get you from mile one to mile two, mile two to mile 10. And all of these mental strategies through meditation just help us in all areas of our life. Oh, definitely. I and,
1: <laughs> and yeah, jumping back to uh, the main topic of routines. I was talking about the list that I I put together uh, daily and then, you know, the night before I sort of create the list for the next day. There is uh, some science behind that as well. For those who may think we have gone off and been a little too woo-woo talking about meditation and God and prayer, making the lists that I make Every time I do something on that list, I erase it from the Notepad app on my phone. I would say I cross it off, but I actually use a Notepad app, and you get a little dopamine hit, just like you would when you get that like or that that heart on Facebook uh, when you take that off of your list. And I've even extended it to where some of the workouts that I do, some of the the runs uh, that you and Vinny have put together for me, I'll break them up into little chunks. So you know, it'll be the warm up, and then it'll be. Uh, you know, say I have to do 18 miles. That sounds like a daunting task, but you have me doing different paces sometimes. So on my list will be, you know, six miles zone two warm up, two miles at this pace, three minutes in between. And I, I put each one of those in and, um, it seems to make it a more manageable task for me. And if I have a little break point, I'll even break my phone out in the run and I'll erase it from the list. And I go, oh my goodness, I'm already halfway done with this. You know, I can do this. So, you know, there is some science to be said of crossing stuff off the list gives you a dopamine hit, and creating a list can make insurmountable tasks seem more manageable.
0: Oh, for sure. And that actually reminds me of the next item on my list as you're talking about Strava and checking your progress Mm -hmm. and giving yourself a little kudos for each item crossed off your list. The next one on my list is tracking my progress, and that helps me to stick to my running routine. And it helps me to stick to another day sober. So back way up to the very beginning of my sobriety journey, I got a sobriety app and I looked at it every day to see what day I was on, how many calories I had saved, how much money I had saved. And so that was my habit. I looked at it first thing in the morning. I looked at it every time I had a craving. I opened the app, remind myself why I'm doing this thing in the first place. And I made a habit of continuously checking in with my sobriety app. And it really helped me to go from one day to one month to one year and beyond. And as far as running goes, when I got sober it was the first time that I actually started to track my running. I had been running since I was 14 and all the way from 14 to 37, I didn't follow a plan. I said, "Okay, I'm going to run a half marathon." And I kind of ran three or four times a week, you know, I never really thought about How fast I'm going to go, how far I'm going to go, just make sure that I can finish the race as fast as I can. I'm sure that I followed some sort of a training plan, but I was drinking so much and my diet was so poor that I really don't think I put too much thought into it other than printing out a training plan and trying to follow it as closely as I could. But I don't really remember doing too many speed workouts and intervals and thinking about heart rate or anything like that. When I got sober, and I started meditating and visualizing, I realized, hey, I love running. And I've been doing this for a long time. You know, I'm, I'm a middle of the pack runner, but I love it. I'm a competitive person. I wanna see how fast I can go, how far I can go. So I decided, you know what? It's time to get serious about this. Let's learn some strategy. Let's learn, let's see what the professionals are doing. Let's see what the elite runners are doing. Maybe I should think about the terrain that I'm running on and the gear that I'm wearing. Plan out a race schedule further ahead than just two or three months at a time. So I started to consider things like my weekly mileage, my heart rate, the level of effort that I was putting into it, strength training, yoga, and stretching, all of the things that supplement running. I started to then think about what am I eating? And I overhauled my whole diet. And then I started tracking my food. So these are my routines that I make sure to do every day. I track my sobriety. I track my mileage. I track each and every workout. I track my food. In the beginning, I was trying to lose weight. So I was tracking calories and macronutrients very closely. I even was weighing my food and reading up on everything I could about it. In the end, I ended up on a plant-based diet. And Vinny and I are both 100% plant-based. It totally works for us. I know if you're listening, you might be thinking like, that's crazy. Where do you get your protein? But I promise you, I have never felt better. When I went plant-based, I lost the last 10 pounds. And I noticed that after my hard runs and my long runs, my body starts to repair itself more quickly. I'm not as sore. I can come back the next day and I'm just, I'm just not as sore. I'm ready to go. If you are intentional with tracking your mileage, tracking your sobriety, it's going to give you that hit of dopamine, like you said, like, yes, I accomplished something. And you're also going to be able to look back at month after month, week after week of training and notice trends in your running. You're going to be able to get a lot better results. Trust me, if you think about all of these things that I just mentioned. It's not complicated, but there is a lot to know and a lot to consider. Am I running on a trail? Am I running at night? How am I fueling my runs? All this stuff. When you're in sobriety and you're looking for something to replace drinking, running is the best thing because like you said earlier, it takes up so much time. It's the ultimate replacing drinking with running with is just the ultimate hobby that you can ever have because it will take up all of your time there is so much to know and it makes you feel so amazing
1: yeah there are just so many benefits to it it's ridiculous i like how you talk about tracking your your progress that's something that i hadn't even really thought about that has become uh, a habit of mine and it's when i started working with nutritionists and actually even before then i got in the habit of tracking uh, everything that i eat in a food tracking app that is such a thing that keeps me mindful about what I'm putting in my body. I did this at a point too when I was really, really low before I started working with a nutritionist and I was having all these food binges. I promised myself I was going to be honest with myself and actually put into the app what I was doing. And you know, I, I would have some 6,000, 8,000, 10,000 calorie days and was just disgusted with myself. And that did eventually get me to the point where I realized I had to change. And, you know, I, I thought about it, too, uh, in early sobriety, it's very important to to track that, you know, I remember tracking it, I, I've got one day, I've got a week, I've got 26 days, and then those days become months. And then it's, oh, I've got seven months, I've got eight months, and then those become years. And, you know, I still track my sobriety. And I think that's a very important thing to do. And talking about diet, I'm still in the process of trying to learn about that. I wasn't brought up in a household that gave me any valuable uh, nutrition information, and I'm learning it very, very late in life. I haven't made the switch uh, to, to a vegan or even a vegetarian diet, but I do understand the benefits of of vegetables and, and beans and quinoa and all of these things. Uh, you can't eat just meat. So uh, I, I bring a lot more of these into my diet nowadays. And I'm very ex- excited this week. I'm going to start a new journey with a new specific sports nutritionist this week. So uh, I'm equally excited and scared to see what that's going to bring to my eating routines, because uh, that's a routine that we have too. When, when and what you eat.
0: Yeah, for sure. I like to keep my food simple. So does Vinny. We like to eat all the colors of the rainbow. The best way to describe the vegan diet is eat all the colors of the rainbow, eat foods that are, that are alive, not foods that are dead, right? So just to summarize it really quickly for the listeners, big salad, you can do a burrito or a burrito bowl, tacos, Thai curries are some of our favorite things like you said, rice and beans, quinoa, tons of vegetables. I think I could live off of fresh fruit alone. <laughs> it is so mm. good. But speaking back to routines and habits, Vinny and I both do intermittent fasting and oh, nice, nice. Yes. I can't say enough good things about it. So I'll tell you what I do in case anybody's interested. My eating window is between 12 noon and 7pm. I never eat breakfast. And I never eat after 7 p.m. So think about how helpful that could be to somebody who struggles with food, right? It's like, it's not in my eating window. I cannot eat. It's a hard rule. No, I'm not eating. And for me, that was super important, Doug, because for a lot of years, I was eating super healthy all day long. And then after I put the kids in bed, I would go on this nighttime binge and I would eat whatever I wanted because I was so hungry. And I'm like, okay, this is my time to unwind. I deserve it. I was emotionally eating all of the stuff. So I started intermittent fasting and without even trying, I've shed, I don't know, five or 10 pounds just easily. But it really helps me to know I'm going to eat between this time and this time, and then I'm going to be done. It eliminates all of the late night binging and the junk food that goes on late at night, that so many of us do. Intermittent fasting also helps with sobriety because if you know you're not going to have any calories after 6 p.m. or after 7 p.m., then you're not going to have any drinks. In my mind, having a hard boundary like that, my, this is my eating window. I will not stray from it is super helpful. I just wanted to point out the only time that I do have food in the morning is if I'm doing a long run, then I will have breakfast before a long run of two and a half hours or more. But otherwise, you don't need to eat any food before you go running because you have plenty of calories stored up from the day before stored up from body fat to use fat as fuel. So Go ahead, guys, and skip the breakfast and just go straight into your run and use body fat as fuel unless you're running 90 minutes or two hours or more then you would want to consider eating food. But running on an empty stomach is perfectly acceptable and highly recommended.
1: Yeah, actually, that's what I do, too. Uh, Well, not the intermittent fasting, but uh, I don't usually eat before I go on a run unless it's a, a long run. After the run, uh, I'll have a a protein shake and a protein bar typically, and that's my breakfast nowadays. So it's not quite intermittent fasting. And I do that just because I have a history of type 2 diabetes. And in working with uh, my nutritionist, we were trying to avoid any nasty blood sugar spikes or or drops. And that's why I always make sure I have something uh, after that run, because those are nasty. And then those definitely lead to, to binges. When you have these blood sugar events,
0: yeah, for sure. And of course, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm just letting people know what works for me, what works for Vinny, and do some research on it, guys. If you've never looked into it, if you've never tried it, there's different formulas you can use. There's shorter eating windows, there's longer eating windows. You can probably find one that works for you, but there's a lot of science and a lot of data to support the fact that fasting is good for people, really good for people. Fasting helps you to eliminate toxins. Fasting helps you to lose body weight. And also it helps you to improve your mental focus. There's just so many benefits. I cannot list them right now, but I love fasting So much. But I did want to talk about the last thing on my list, Doug, and that is setting boundaries. As far as my habits and routines go, I had to start setting boundaries with other people and boundaries with myself. I stopped doing things to satisfy other people's expectations of me. I started doing things that were in line with my core values. I started saying no to the things I didn't want to do. And it opened up so much free time for me, and it honestly was just a big relief when I stopped people-pleasing and I started listening to what I really wanted to do. It's the best way to avoid conflict, hurt feelings, you know, getting out of events that you don't want to go to. So if you want to put something into your habit, start setting boundaries with people who are maybe crossing your boundaries and you're going to start to feel a lot better. There were people in my life who were trying to control my time, my schedule, telling me where I needed to be and when. And for a long time, I was like this little puppet just doing what people told me to do. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I want, I don't want anybody to be mad at me. So I should probably go. She thinks she feels like this. So I have to cater to that. And In sobriety, I got the confidence and the clarity and the self-respect to say, no, this is my life. Nobody gets to tell me where I'm going to be and when. Nobody gets to tell me what I have to do or where I need to be. Nobody gets to do that. So now I'm the own boss of my own life. And I got to tell you, it feels amazing and I'm still working on it, but I have some clear boundaries in place that have never been there before, and I've seen life-changing results by doing that.
1: Oh, I'm so glad you brought this up. And I don't know if this is just a trait of uh, alcoholics, but I was a people pleaser. Oh my goodness. Just like you described, I think a lot of it had to do with I had such a low sense of self-worth and I lacked any kind of confidence. That I just wanted everyone to like me, I didn't want to disappoint anybody, and I would sacrifice my own uh, wants, needs, desires, and time to do these things for other people. And setting boundaries was very uncomfortable at first, and it's something, it took me a couple of years in the sobriety before I realized I had to do it, and it took a few more years before uh, I started to really embrace it and not care if that person is going to be upset with me or angry with me. And then I even found, I got to a point where some people, I said, why is this person even in my life? You know, you realize that there's no real uh, relationship there when you're not doing things for this person all the time anymore. They don't value you as a person. They were just trying to get stuff out of you. And uh, it's been such a freeing thing to do to set boundaries. And that sort of has me segue into something that I I just want to bring up because I feel like when I hear a routine as a recovered alcoholic, that term scares me. You know, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it. I don't want to be tied to any particular schedule. I have found though, that through building these routines and building these habits, it's what has truly brought me to freedom to freedom of finding out who i am as a human being, a freedom to become the person that i feel like i was intended to become. And it's again you've probably heard me say it in a previous episode but it's taking the correct actions that are in line with my intentions and my goals and that's what makes me be dug. And i i never realized that. You know, i, I don't know how i thought it was going to happen, but you know, finding this discipline. You know, I've I've found it's sort of consistency uh, and commitment equals discipline for me, which is such a great thing. I, I, I've been trying to to wrap my head around a couple of sort of these abstract concepts of you know, is it a routine, and can I turn it into a ritual? There's just something very spiritual to me about the thought of this. This is um, a ritual. You know, this, this not only uh, is a list of actions that I take, these are the things that feed my soul, if that makes any sense.
0: Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a good point to end on, Doug. And it brings me back to one of my first points, mm-hmm. which was, you know, one of the main cornerstones of my habits and routines is meditation, prayer, visualization, and mm-hmm. asking yourself, what are my values? And if you're if you're thinking like okay you guys you've been talking for a while about habits and routines but I'm not sure I still don't know where to start. The place that you start is in meditation. Is in a quiet one-on-one meeting with yourself, okay? Sit down for 10 minutes and just be quiet, be still, ask yourself who am I? You know, what do I need in my life that is missing? What do I need to let go of and just start there and see what comes in and just commit to, like you said earlier, making those small changes, make them one at a time and just visualize your best future self. And you really do have the opportunity in sobriety and especially as a runner to craft and write the best future self, the best future outcome for yourself. You really we really do have a second chance at life.
1: Absolutely. And if I can give any good tip to anyone out there who is newly sober or trying to get sober, that would be the first habit you can work on is I am not going to drink today and then do it again tomorrow.
0: That's right. One day at a time, one mile at a time. Awesome, Doug. Thank you so much for joining me. I think we could probably continue to talk about this for hours and hours, but for the sake of the listeners, we're going to wrap this up and continue this later. So we really hope that you guys are enjoying this podcast. And if you have any recommendations, tips, things that you want to hear us talk about, go ahead and put them on Facebook or email them to me, Doug or Vinny. We're happy to take requests and recommendations and feedback from you guys. We really want this to be your podcast that you just love to listen to. So tell us what you want and we will talk about it. But thanks for joining us, guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks,
1: everybody.